What's up, everyone? Jonathan here with the Venue RX. And on this podcast, we are passionate about documenting and sharing best practices around owning, operating, and managing world class wedding venues. And we do a number of different styles of shows on this channel. We talk to uh, wedding industry pros on a variety of different topics. And we've done something recently that has been by far my favorite part of the show. It's called the Real Wedding Venue Owner Series. And on this series, we talk to uh, wedding venue owners who are owning and operating their properties. And uh, we really get into the nitty gritty with them about everything that it takes to run their property, uh, the wins they've had, sometimes the failures, the the oopsies, the, the things that they've learned. And uh, we just break it all down for you. So I'm really excited today to have Jamie Wright from The Farm on Cotton. Uh, thank you so much for being here today, Jamie. Thanks for having me, Jonathan. I'm super excited. Well, I'm really excited to chat with you as well. Um, had a chance to check out your website and just uh, I'm really excited to learn a bit more about you. Your property is located in North Carolina, you were saying, correct? Yes. So we're 30 minutes south of Raleigh, so right next to a big city, but still in the country. Okay, amazing. How did you end up in uh, Raleigh, like right outside of Raleigh? So I grew up here in Lee County and my husband is from our neighboring um, county, Chatham. And so we are still, we're right here in our hometown. That's so cool. That's, that's awesome. Give me a little bit of a background on, on you and how you got into the wedding and events industry. And, and then we'll kind of move to talking about your venue and, and how that got started. So we bought our farm about seven years ago with no intentions of weddings whatsoever. We bought it as a family home and to do rescuing. And we kept it as a surprise. We didn't want to tell anybody because it was for sale by owner. And sometimes those things, you know, don't pan out. And so we bought it, we signed it, we did on Facebook that night, surprise, we bought a hobby farm and immediately started getting messages. I need a place to take properties. I don't have anywhere to have a property shower. Your place is beautiful. What do you think about us doing it out there? So it started with bridal portraits morphed into showers and all of a sudden just a couple tiny weddings happened and I was hooked. I loved it. Was you, were you an entrepreneur at all before that or was this kind of your first foray into this? No, I was a paralegal and then I stayed home with my kids for about five or six years and that's when we decided the kids were young and I was like let's move out let's you know get away from you know being right on you know a county road where there was a lot of traffic. And so we ended up coming out here on a whim. You know, my husband was like, we are not buying this place. And we drove in the driveway. We both looked at each other. And we're like, oh, we're buying this place. It was just meant to be. That's so cool. As you have, um, at what point, actually, before I ask this question, at what point was this? Where, how far back is this when you bought it? Uh, 2016. Okay, so from 2016, how long did it take you to realize gosh, we got to do weddings here. This is really cool. And for you to kind of get hooked, as you said. It took me about six to eight months to finally like give into it because that's not what I intended for the property. And once people started coming out here and I'm a very social person, I found out how much I loved it. In fact, our handyman was the one, he was our first wedding. And they called us from the courthouse and they're like, we just got married. You know, can we grab a cake, come out and cut it? And I was like, absolutely. Okay. I've got 45 minutes. How do I put this together? And I'm pulling out grandma's china and tablecloths. And by the time they got here, we had a little reception set up by the pool. And I was hooked. I was like, this is it. 
And I'm so glad we did because at the time, we didn't realize how expensive it is to run a farm and to have rescue in. So this says basically weddings run the farm. It supplements a pan. So it's working out. What was the connection with the animals? Because I mean, there's it's so cool. You, you know, like you said, the rescue animals and it's woven into your your website, your branding and what you do. Um, what what kind of sparked your passion around that? So always been a big animal person. And at our last home, we lived right across from a small hobby farm that had cows and donkeys. And I would sit out on our front porch and look over and I'd watch every day. And it was just such a calming effect. I loved being around them. And so when we came out here, there were already two goats on the property that the owners didn't want to move and take with them. They were, um, they're at retirement age. And so we started there and within a week or two of posting about those goats, we had people calling and they're like, hey, our neighbor's got a goat they need to get rid of or a donkey or a pig, you know, and so it just evolved very quickly. And now we have three donkeys, five goats, two pigs. That's awesome. And is, how how do you uh, weave them into the wedding experience for people? They weave themselves into it. They are a very active part of weddings to the point where um, sometimes we've had, like when the minister says, does anyone object? And all the donkeys just let out brain or when a goat escapes and, you know, we turn around and, you know, getting ready to cut the cake and here comes my goat Willis just walking into the barn and I'm like, no. So they, they pretty much interject themselves. They are about maybe 30 foot away from the And so people can go right up to the fence and view them and interact with them and see them. And everyone loves it from kids all the way up to grandparents age. They love the animals. That's so cool because you're building in an experience and, you know, not only are people going to a, a wedding, but there's an opportunity for the kids and the family to interact with the animals. I, I love that. Let's talk about, you know, the business, the venue side of things. So you said when you originally bought the venue, you didn't necessarily have uh, a plan for it being a venue. It was a hobby farm. Did you need to put in infrastructure and uh, do any building or anything at the point that you really made that intentional pivot towards starting to do weddings? So what we did was, first of all, we went to the county because we wanted to go and be above and beyond. The permitting was in place. And then we started by pouring a 30 by 80 concrete slab. And my husband said, we'll try it. We'll put a tent up if you love it then we can look into building. And within a year, we realized this is it. We absolutely love this. And so we started looking at plans to build. Well, COVID happened. And we knew we were going to be shut down for a while. And it was now or never. I was like, let's do it. Let's go ahead. Let's build a farm. While everything shut down, we don't have any equipment. And of course, everybody thought we were crazy. They're like, you know, the economy is going down, you know, COVID's going on, and now you guys are going to build. But literally, I remember making the social media post. I was like, we're stepping out in faith, and this is a God thing, and it was just. Were there any surprises for you in the process of of building that? Because at, at that point, you had the slab, right, and you were using a tent? We had we had the slab. We, were, we had a square tent. It was 40 by 40, so it was 
you know, pretty much very small weddings that we were doing at the time. And so we, the tent up, the barn, this came in in pieces, and we had no experience whatsoever with construction. We have never built a house. We've never built even a shed. I mean, we had no experience. So we had a great company that came out, and yet there were surprises along the way. I mean, you know, as far as like putting the post down into the concrete and all the mess. I remember pressure washing the concrete slabs so it would be perfect, not knowing that there was going to be just mud and clay everywhere. You know, there were surprises of like weather delays, and I mean, just trying to get everything done by that first weather because we opened up in July of 2020 after COVID. I mean, I, I just remember like the night before, like blowing all the sawdust out and making sure that everything was hung and we were right up until the very last hour. Wow. During that, during that time, did you have a hard, uh, hard time finding supplies or I know there's a lot of, depending on where you were at in the country, there were supply chain management issues. There may be issues with people wanting to work or not. Did you experience any of that as you were um, maybe even working with this company? No, absolutely not. They were fantastic. They sent a crew of guys out. They were here every single day. Even bad weather, they would find other things to do inside. Everything came on a truck. So every piece of equipment, every piece of lumber, even down to the box mails were included. So there was no problem getting anything. And it was actually something for us to do while we were stuck at home. You know, we would walk out. We got to be really good friends with the crew, buy lunch, um, you know, make sure that they had drinks and different things. But we would sit, you know, we wouldn't bother, but we would sit away in our chairs and just watch this farm being constructed in our backyard. Wow. That's, that's, uh, that's pretty inspiring that you kind of made that choice, like you said, to step out and, and do this thing, which... God, I had to have felt like a risk during this time when everything's getting shut down. What was your thought on that? Like, did you, did you think that maybe COVID was going to last longer, shorter? Like, where was your feeling around uh, how that could go? What gave you the courage to really push forward? Oh, it was a God thing all the way. I mean, it's something that I had prayed about, something that I felt very strongly had to do. And so I'm the kind of person of like, I'm, ready I'm ready to step out the door I'm ready to do this my husband's the more cautious one but even he was on everything and some of our family members some of even our friends afterwards they were like we thought you were crazy but I told him I was like no no gotta do this we gotta have faith that everything's gonna work out we didn't think that the COVID thing would last as long as it did Mm -hmm. um you know we were we opened in phases of you know, you can have 25 people and then they would move it up to 50 and eventually it got to 100. And so by July, I think we were at 50 and we were having small but by August and then we opened up. Previously before that, what is the most amount of weddings that you had done in a year on your property? Oh, maybe uh, 10 or 12. Okay. So you do the 10 or 12 weddings post-COVID and post-adding this new facility, um, what's the most amount of weddings that you've done? Uh, most in a year, 35. Okay, awesome, awesome. Yeah. How did how did that feel, 30, 35 weddings? Was that a lot? Do you wanna do more than that? Do you wanna do less than that? Like how many weddings are you considering doing for the future? So our goal for next year is 40 weddings. Um, 
we've started to bring in more staff, more of our wedding fairies is what I call all the girls. Um, my kids are now teenagers and they want to help and make money. And so we feel like we've got the resources now to step out and do a little bit more, but we're still cautious of want to have family time, you know, time for prayers, time to go on vacations so that we don't, you know, reach burnout. Yeah. I, I actually wanted to ask about that, Jamie, because I know I've talked to other venue owners who live on property before and mm -hmm. that's even some of the things that they've said they don't like about having a venue on their property because you've got, you know, I mean, it's a private event, but still some of the public coming on your personal yeah. space. Um, have you found that that is challenging to navigate when you actually live on the property and have your venue there? I think sometimes you take things a little more personally, you know, for instance, somebody throws a cigarette down on the ground and you're like, oh my gosh, this is my home. You know, you're, you're littering on my home. It's not a home to them. It's business to them. Um, so I find like, I, I try to pinch myself and say, don't take it so personally, but it can be, it's also makes things easier because I can pop right back in the house and, you know, see my kids and answer, you know, home questions and make sure that everybody's got, you know, something to eat that night. So, you know, for me, it just makes things a lot easier than having to leave my home for basically anywhere from 12 to 18 hour a day. Yeah, that's so true. I've, I've, I've experienced different things when I talk to people about this question and also just working. I mean, my wife and I, we run our business together um, and we've got five kids and she loves working from home. She doesn't take many calls, but she's doing a lot of emailing, a lot of texting, and she can do that. For me, I really need to kind of separate those two because if I have other things going on and then I'm trying to focus on work, that's that's stressful. So then, you know, we got an office and as our company's grown, that's that's made more and more sense. But I find people are either on one side of the aisle or another, like they can do the, the um, multitasking or maybe not. <laughs> yeah, it's not unusual for me to be in our home office texting a client or emailing and my kids right behind me asking me math problems or telling me about you know, what they're going to be doing in theater this year. And my husband, on the other hand, I'm a completely separate job. Um, but we have a spare apartment on the property, and he has to have his own space. It has to be completely quiet. He has to, you know, you can't go around, you know, knock on the door 50 times a day kind of thing. So I do bother him occasionally. Help the tables. But, yeah, he, he definitely has to have his own space. That's awesome. What does he do? He is an innovations director for an engineering company. That's awesome. It's very cool. Um, awesome. Well, well, thank you for sharing that. I'm I'm interested. I want to shift a little bit and start talking about kind of the business side of of what you do. Are you guys using a, a CRM system as you are are booking people? Absolutely. We use HoneyBook. Okay. Um, it has been such a game changer for us. Um, and when we started out, it was we were printing contracts either mailing them out or people were having to come back to the venue to sign. Um, and when finally I was like, you know, I had tried HoneyBook years ago, and didn't really, you know, job. And then they did a lot of updates. And I was like, let's give it another call. I mean, it was like a special, it was like, I think a dollar special for like six months. And we tried that and I was like, wow, these people have got 
crate system going on. I can send out contracts. I can send out invoices. I can, you know, talk with my brides and everything is in one email. I can, you know, see everything. I can look back and say, okay, well, you know, they wanted this centerpiece or, you know, they've got this DJ coming and I don't have to like go through a regular email system looking for emails and trying to decipher things. So HoneyBook is just the godsend for us. That's so cool. Yeah, it's been a huge help for us as well. And I know there's a lot of other options out there, but um, price for what you're getting, I mean, it's pretty, pretty good. Yeah, we, we tried some other ones. We were paying like, I think, $99 a month. And you know, when, I, when I went back to HoneyBook, I, I was sold pretty quickly. That's awesome. Tell me a little bit about what you're doing for marketing. How are you getting word out about, about your venue? So social media is Facebook and Instagram. I am looking into TikTok, a little bit nervous because, you know, it's, it's something new that I'm going to have to learn. Um, Google ads. We don't do um, any of the big companies like Wedfire. And not. We have like a free app at the end, but not the paid subscription. We tried that for a while, and it was really, really expensive. And we ended up you know, trying Google ads and, that really has been the best thing. Um, occasionally during the busy season, we'll do some Facebook ads. Hmm. For Wedding Wire and the Knot and kind of those like platforms, those like directories, um, do you do you feel like during the time that you tried them that you were getting enough leads from them, enough qualified leads or not really? I mean, I know there's this big kind of debate in the industry whether it's it's profitable to use those or not. What's your take on it? You know, we got you know, a, a fair amount of weddings, but in the last couple of years, it just, all the leads weren't painting out. Um, we would, you know, respond and then not get responses back. Um, and I just, you know, we looked at the number in the last like two years. It just wasn't sustainable for us, not at that price point. Cause I think we were, for a venue, we were like six to $700 a month on yeah. wedding. And that that's a huge chunk of money. So ended up um, kind of pivoting over to Google Ads and, and doing really well with that. Mm. Do you tell me a little bit about the area that the venue is located in? Do you have a lot of competition nearby? Are there similar uh, venues, or you know, what does the local competition for you look like? Our closest venue is about two miles down the road from us, which is funny. Sometimes on wedding day. Because occasionally people will come to the wrong venue. They'll say sign that says weddings, and all of a sudden the bride walks down the aisle, and they're like, "This is not the right way." <laughs> it only happens every once in a blue moon. Kind of funny, but um, we have probably eight venues in our county, and they are anywhere from like a historic home to the big white barn. Um, we even have some different ballrooms, country clubs. But we we get along well with everybody. Everybody goes to each other for information and help, ask questions. So it's it is competition, but it's a good thing too. We we all have the mindset community of competition. In fact, about a year and a half ago, I actually started um, Central Carolina Weddings, and that it was just for an association that everybody can come together and share ideas. And, have meetings where we have attorneys and accountants and different people to come speak so that other people are educated because 
I know when I started, I mean, I was afraid. I was like, I don't, I don't know if I want to go to an attorney. It might be ten thousand dollars to have a contract made. I had no idea. Now I can can share with other people that are like, no, you can go and have somebody do it for a reasonable price. You know, you don't have to be scared of numbers. Here's an account that you can go to. So that kind of thing. That's that's huge. That's such an amazing resource for people. I've actually been really surprised at the lack of of education. I know we were talking about this a little before we got on, um, but I mean, it's it's so amazing. Our industry is such a large industry. It's you know multi billion dollar industry across the United States, but you know we don't have a lot of that. You know, and so um, kudos to you for starting that and kind of helping support your local community. That's awesome. Thank you. Help me understand a little bit about the operations and, you know, the packaging. When someone gets married at uh, the farm on cotton, what are they, what are they getting in terms of, you know, are they getting tables and chairs? How many hours of access are they getting? Kind of give me some of those specifics. So our price, we are priced daily. So we have Saturday packages and Sunday packages. They both include the same amount of hours. We start at eight o'clock in the morning. And their last song is played at 10 o'clock in the evening. And then from 10 to 11, we clean up. Um, we try to do as much as possible. So we have uh, wood farm tables. We have all the chairs. Um, I have an entire garage for uh, decorations that they can pick from, centerpieces, greenery, um, candles, everything you can think of is in there. We set it all up. We tear it all down. I am the day of so I create the timeline um, and we execute that. We have someone that comes in and drops the golf around the farm. So if grandma or grandpa or you know anybody that might have any type of mobility issues, you know, they want to go around and see the farm or anyone that's just in high heels. Um, we have a lady that comes in, she's a school bus driver and she drops her golf cart. Um, and then we have all the wedding fairies that are sprinkling their magic over, you know, running to get bouquets or you know, my, my high heel, you know, I get, you know, whatever the, whatever the crisis may be, we're there to step in and make the day magic and not feel any stress whatsoever. Tell me, you mentioned the wedding fairies and obviously, you know, you're wearing a, a shirt there that says wedding fairy. Tell me a little bit about that. Where did that come from and what was the inspiration behind that? Inspiration was my love for Disney and Disney World, um, which I found about nine, eight, nine years ago. My sister drug us to Disney World, didn't want to go, didn't know what to expect. And I deal with a lot of motion sickness. So I was like, oh, I won't be able to ride anything, won't be able to do anything. Very quickly fell in love with it, but really fell in love with their customer service. It wowed me and impressed me. And what I realized was going there was not just buying a ticket to a theme park. It was an experience. And, you know, every single cast member consistently was providing that experience. And that's what I want for my, for my ladies and gentlemen that work out here is that, you know, we're not just here, you know, for one day, you know, take the trash out, clean up. We're here to love on these people and to provide them with that family experience. Got it. There's so, just a little nod to that. I, I love that. And I noticed on your website, you have, you know, all of your team members called out 
like that, you know, each, each one of them. That's, that's so neat. And you're right. It does provide a different level of experience, uh, the different layer of customer service, and it really matches with what you have going on with the animals. You know, it's not just a come in, get married, you know, leave. Are there spaces to both do ceremony and reception on the property? Yes. So we have the barn that is mainly for the receptions. Of course, if there's inclement weather, we can always have the ceremony inside the barn. Um, our most popular ceremony location is outside of the barn. And there is an overlook that is made um, that was for that overlooks our aperture. So we have about 150 aperitures that goes into a valley. And so it's a beautiful ceremony spot. A lot of people use, um, we have like a Cross. We have a wooden arbor that they can choose from. We have flowers that go out. And so that's one spot. And then we actually have a gazebo in the front of the property. And so if they want, you know, more of like, let's go have the ceremony in a different location, then we have everybody come to the front of the property. There's a beautiful stone walkway that leads up to the gazebo. And it's a garden type area. It's a rose garden. Those two areas are most popular. Wow. So it sounds like you have a couple of different spaces that you can do ceremony to give them different looks. Yes. I'm I'm curious about, you mentioned rentals. You try to do as much as possible in the way of decorations. Sounds like you've got a couple of options for archways and things like that. How do you handle if someone breaks stuff like that? Do you have damage deposits? How do you handle some of that kind of... No, because mostly everything that we provide is donated by other brands. So people have left wood slabs and plates and cylinders and um, vases and everything comes from another bride. And at the end of the night, they're just like, wow, what am I going to do with 150 candles? Well, here you go, Miss Jamie, you keep the next person. So most, I mean, 95% of things or donations and I just tell the brides I'm like look if something gets broke tell us up front so that we can replace it by the time the next bride gets here just in case she's depending on so I've never had to do a damage deposit um very rarely have had anyone do you know be disrespectful of the property like maybe a percent of the time it's very very rare that's awesome. That's that's really cool. And I love that you have used stuff that past brides have given you because then it really takes the financial stress off of you for like, oh my gosh, we invested, you know, $10,000 into whatever the thing is. Um, you're doing good both ways. It's just stress off of you. And then also you're able to take that off their hands when they may, maybe don't want to take it home and store it in their garage or whatever. Exactly. And it's there for the next bride. And we don't charge for that. It's completely free. Go into the closet, see what you like. There's a million signs, easels, and they're just ecstatic. They're like, thank you. I didn't want to have to go to Hobby Lobby and spend, you know, $800 on things that they're never going to use again. They're just going to have stored in their attic or they're going to be the hassle of Facebook Marketplace and trying to sell it the next week. So, and a lot of times, you know, at the end of the night, they're like, oh, we got to use all this stuff. By the way, you know, let me donate something to the closet. They're excited to do that. Uh, that's awesome. For anyone listening to this 
And they're, you know, they're thinking, I'd love to provide some things like that. Are there some really frequently used items that you would recommend every venue have on hand? Yes. Glass cylinders and floating camp. Every, almost every single wedding, we do floating camp. Um, Built greenery. I have a lot of brides that come in and they're like, you just pick, do your thing, decorate it, make it beautiful. And so a lot of times we have a lot of silk greenery on hand that we can add. Um, mini vases are really popular right now. Everybody loves the little mini vases that you can do a couple of blooms in. And it's just, you know, a pop of color. I would definitely say um, signage, you know, pick a seat, not a side kind of signs. Um, the heaven memorial signs, things like that. I mean, the, the brides are never going to use it again. It's really inexpensive to pick up at your local craft stores, and it's just nice to provide. Yeah, but the signs make so much sense because you're totally right. Signage, the pick a seat, not a side, that one, or the cell phone, like unplugged ceremony signs, things like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Talk to me a little bit about insurance. We got to cover all the, the stuff, even the boring stuff, right? <laughs> Talk to me about insurance do you uh, require people to provide day of insurance um what's your what's your thought process around that so we have our regular business insurance and then we do require day of insurance and there's a couple of different places online that's easy to go through and then we have our own insurance agency in town because a lot of people in the county get married here and they're like hey we want to use someone local so we give them that information as well but i always let them know you know um, but say, for instance, a five-minute process to get an insurance policy, and that is due to us about a week the event. So that has to be in place. It used to be we would just do it if they were having alcohol. Now we're it for Yeah, it's pretty inexpensive. I mean, it's like you said, you know, it'll take five minutes, and it's maybe eighty to one hundred and twenty bucks, and exactly know, the coverage it gives is huge. Agreed. Yeah. And peace of mind, priceless. Jamie, you said that you do the coordination piece of it. So you'll create that timeline. What about other vendor services? So things like DJ, catering, bar services, are those things that you're providing in-house or do you outsource those to vendors? We outsource all of that to vendors. And we have a big comprehensive list of people in our community and even surrounding families that we give to our brides and most of our brides come back and they're like, we went you know, completely off your list. Here's everyone that we're using. And it's just kind of like a puzzle that we put together. And it's like, all right, you know, you give me all your vendors, let me give you a sample timeline. And then we just kind of put our heads together and, you know, form that, you know, put together the puzzle pieces. That's what I tell all my brides. I'm like, don't let any one piece stress you out because there's, plenty of pieces to go around and so we work together and we create that timeline um we make sure you know that we contact all the vendors we go uh, you know that email is going to come from me and they know it's coming that you know okay caitlin and heath are getting married this saturday and we're so excited to see you at 2 p.m or 4 p.m whatever you know time that they're coming it's also a great great way to remind people just recheck that calendar. Make sure you're going to be here. You know, because you never know when someone accidentally misses writing something down or booking that appointment in there. 
you know, probably three times in the last six, seven years, we've had somebody go, is that this Saturday? And like, absolutely, it's this Saturday. So you know, we, we like to catch those mistakes before they even happen or the bride knows anything about Mm. Is there any specific software that you use for the timelines or you just create them with a spreadsheet or how, how do you typically do that? So I generally just use uh, Microsoft Word. We've got a beautiful template. I brought with Etsy. Very simplified, you know, just time to cut the cake, what time to their daughter dances, what time to the pictures. Just so that it's not too, because, you know, it tends to be your timeline is three or four pages long, the vendors, you know, eventually you know you just get like it's just confusing i like to just make it simple we're cutting the cake you know what we've got to have for the cake i know i've got to have the tape i know i've got to have you know the cake pieces and the knives and servers all of our fairies know that and they're great about like if they see me headed towards the cake they're right behind me i've got the table i've got the cut piece i've got the plate and the napkin and we're just we seamlessly, you know, to ensure that the bride just walks over and everything is set up and it's ready to go. Hmm. I have one last question about operations, and then we'll get to the final piece, which is what's your favorite part about owning your venue, what's your least favorite part. So we'll we'll cover that in a second. But um, when you're thinking about growing your team and, you know, maybe even get to that 40, 50, 60 wedding mark as you're kind of thinking about scaling up. Uh, where, How are you finding people? What's the process you're going through to recruit and hire people? So um, a lot of times I will ask the girls and I'm like, who do you guys know that, you know, would be a great fit? You know, a lot of our um, girls are school teachers, bus drivers, and they're like, oh, absolutely. We know people. Um, here recently, we had um, one of our mother of the brides from two years ago reach out, and she said, hey, she's like, you know, really had you on my heart, God put you on my heart, and I want to come work a couple of weddings this summer, and I'm like, well, that's fantastic, because we've got two that's our own field yet, and she took those spots, and she's a great gal, and we loved, you know, connecting again, and so, um, you know, it's you really just word of mouth. You know, we're a pretty, you know, small community. It's not something that we really, you know, we'll, would go out and advertise for. But we have people at weddings that are like, wow, this is my dream job. Could I ever come work a wedding? Well, yeah, you can. Come on. So, yeah, word of mouth. That's a wonderful way to do it because most of the time the folks already love the property or they know someone who loves the property. And so there's some of that borrowed credibility, you know, that you have that um that you can use so i love that well jamie let's 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 i'm curious what is your favorite part what's your least favorite part of course we have to start with the least favorite part and then end on a end on a high note so what is your least favorite part of owning your venue oh least favorite part i would say just having to handle everything um i do everything from mowing the grass to making the timelines to cleaning the bathrooms and combined with personal life, sometimes it can get hectic. Um, but I would say probably mowing the grass is my least favorite part. You know, we have 14 acres. It's all landscape property. And so, 
And that's a big part of it. Everybody loves coming out here. They're just like, oh, wow, your front yard looks like a golf course kind of thing. And it's like, yeah, because I, I mow it with such care and it takes hours to do. So mowing would be my least favorite part. And favorite would be, it's got to be that hug at the end of the night, that hug from the bride, that hug from her mom, that is like, you made this day possible. You made everything so stress-free. You created my fairy tale. You, it's just, it's, it's got to be the hug. I love the hug at the end of the night. I love them calling me a year or two later and telling me we bought a dog or we're expecting our first child. I love that they include me not only in that day, but in their journey. So that's, that's my favorite. That's so cool. That's so cool. I love that. Jamie, thanks for sharing your story with us uh, and, and, you know, your business and how you have created something really special for couples. It's exciting to, it's exciting to see. We'll put links to everything in the show notes so people can go check out uh, your website and uh, what you're doing over there. But if they're listening right now uh, and they want to check you out on Instagram or somewhere else, what's the best place for them to reach out? Uh, Thefarmoncotton.com is our website. Same thing on Facebook, same thing on Instagram. Uh, Just reach out, send us a message, ask us questions. I love to help other people get started. I love to, you know, give any advice that I can. So, yeah, anything on social media would be great. Very cool. Well, thanks so much for being a part of this show. It really makes a big difference. And uh, thanks for sharing your story. Thanks, Jonathan. Hey there. Thanks so much for listening. If you are a return listener, could you do me a huge favor and consider rating and reviewing the show? We don't run ads. We're not really looking to do that, but we do want to grow the show. And so my ask to you is you take a moment or two and rate the show wherever you're listening to it, whether that is Apple Music, Spotify, uh, even if you're on you know, YouTube, I'd love, to, I'd love to hear from you. Please shoot me a DM though on Instagram so that I can thank you personally and I'd love to shout you out as well. I appreciate you more than you can imagine. All right, back to the show.